So, right high, you spent a week trying to clean up your inbox from spam? I did. I did spend a week trying, uh, but it was a total waste of time. I, I unsubscribed from hundreds of newsletters and they just kept coming back the next day. It is frustrating. <laughs> That's an understatement, yes. What about you? Have you had something similar frustrate you online? Uh, you know that I read privacy policies before I submit accept. Yes. Yes, it's your favorite hobby. It's not a hobby. You never accept without reading. What are you accepting? It's just prophecy policies usually longer than Moby Dick, and I would not read that novel. And I feel I need a legal degree to understand what's written there. Well, you and I both know, because we've been researching this episode, that all of this is designed deliberately to discourage you from reading the privacy policy. It's deliberately long. And I, I just can't believe we are still dealing with this and misleading and manipulative ways of technologies until this day. And you too, our dear listener. If you have faced similar frustrations when going online, things like being opted in by default to newsletters or really confusing language that leads you down a dark path on the internet, you're facing tricks that are intentionally built in as part of the user interface design. It even has a name, the dark patterns of design. Dark. You're listening to Manal and Reinhardt. Find out what big tech doesn't want you to know and what to do about it on today's episode of Tech for Evil. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You've been living in a dream world, Neo. A prison for your mind. Salam, everyone. My name is Manal Sharif. I'm a cybersecurity expert, and I worked all my life to protect people's data from hackers, the bad guys. I'm also a women's rights activist, and I use social media successfully to start the Women's Right to Drive movement back home in Saudi Arabia. And I'm Reinhard Sosen. I've worked as a teacher and saw the benefits of technology in the classroom but in the 20 years I've worked in technology, I never truly understood just how evil big tech was getting. But I'm lucky. My friend Manal is a cybersecurity expert. And together, we're on a podcasting journey to investigate the evils of big tech, educate people around the world, and inspire netizens just like you, young and old, towards a better digital future. A good user interface design offers ease of use and a seamless online experience. But some of our favorite websites have deceptive ploys built in to get us to do things we never wanted to do. From uh, color interpretation to bait and switch, today we'll cover several of the cheapest, nastiest tricks deployed by online giants in their battle to influence us and our decisions. We'll expose some of these con artists, their scams, and how you can learn to spot them. Welcome to episode three of the Tech for Evil podcast, The Dark Patterns of Design. Manal, episode three. Isn't it amazing? We've, we've had a wonderful journey. We've had episode one, surveillance-based advertising. Episode two, looking at technology's obsolescence. 
But now we jump into explaining the dark patterns of user interface design. A lot of big words. We probably have to explain a few of them. What is a user interface design? Well, it's probably useful to give an example of a good one. And Manal has one for you. User interface is the visual language that animates the internet. It's the language we read the internet with. And it's part of a discipline that's called user experience design. In short, they call it UX. You'll always hear this jargon tickets love to throw on you. At its best, user interface puts the human at the center of the design. And it can give us a pleasant experience when we go online. But sometimes the user interface designer, the UI designer, doesn't know what they're doing. So they could make our life online frustrating and confusing. It's good to give example of a good user interface design to, to, because it's usually seamless. We don't expect that there was actually an effort to build things that feel so natural. Yeah. Look at Google search engine page. It's really simple and minimalistic page. You go, there is a search box and a button you click on. And even if you misspell the word, it auto-correct your spell. And sometimes it even suggests to you, did you mean this? And Google success wasn't only because they were the fastest search engine or they had the best algorithms, but actually it is that minimalistic and straightforward design that made it very easy to use for people who are unexperienced when they go online. So if any of you listeners find yourself at a trivia night in a pub, this might help you gain a point. A fun fact is that this Google homepage is so bare and minimalistic and elegant because Sergey Brin and Larry Page didn't know HTML and they just wanted a quick interface. So it was their, it was their lack of knowledge actually that led them to this very elegant and simple design. That worked well for them. In comparison with some of the rivals at the time, you might have remembered Yahoo's page. Yeah, with and, all the whistles. Yeah, all the overload. In fact, they used a lot of the don'ts in good user interface design. So unfortunately, some UI designers, as they're called, figured out that they can also design UI in evil ways. When a user interface is designed to trick us into choices that purely benefit the business at our expense, that is when the design has crossed over into the mysterious world of what's called the dark patterns of design. If surveillance-based advertising are the eyes and ears of big tech, then dark patterns would undoubtedly be its black heart. It is. It is. And it's interesting when you just see how common they are and we don't even have a name for it. Maybe a little background on how this whole thing started. Yes. The story of the term dark patterns. That all started with our honorary evil spotter for this episode, didn't it? A gentleman by the name of Dr. Harry Brignall. He had a PhD in cognitive science and built a career as a user experience designer. And Harry noticed a sinister phenomena emerging in the early 2000s. That was the time when online shopping exploded. We had e-commerce websites booming. Everybody was going online to buy digitally, right? And, and, and explore this, this world of online buying. Hmm. 
And some websites resorted to tricks and sleight of hand just to increase their sales. These tricks, you may have noticed, they would push people into buying things they didn't want and we're sometimes paying for services we didn't know about until we already hit the buy button and <laughs> completed the transaction. So our mate Harry decided uh, that he was going to keep an eye on user interface tricks. And as he says in his profile, I provide expert witness services for dark patterns and deceptive user experiences in digital products. Wow, powerful words. Yeah, I like Dr. Harry Bricknell. And uh, he actually have a whole website that we will talk about dedicated for exposing. And we will go through some of the most evil dark patterns that he listed in his website. But it's good to know how dark patterns design work. It's amazing how when technology is used, use psychology to understand how to manipulate humans. If a designer understands just basic psychology, they can always use that for their benefit. They can program that in their design. Let's take one example, color interpretation. If you see, if you are standing in a traffic light and you see it red, what would you do? I would stop. It and if you see no. it, exactly. And if you see it green, what would you do? I, I would just assume it means I can proceed, I can go, I can walk. And, or exactly. it means yes. So this is called cognitive bias. So us as human, we just look at the color and it's associated with green with yes or go and red with no or stop. Imagine if I mixed the colors for you. I put, the, I put a green button for you, but with the word no. That's devious. <laughs> that your brain will still think it's a yes. And that's a dark pattern. It's just understanding human psychology. Here's another example. When you go, I'm an engineer. I hate reading manuals to do anything. Too long I just didn't scan. read. Exactly. It takes me just, <laughs> I scan and uh, I, I, I take shortcuts. And it's a human nature, actually, to just preserve energy. Yes. We don't read everything when we go to a page. We're sort when of we wired trying... to be a bit lazy. <laughs> We're wired to preserve energy. and actually, uh, that's, that's what just... I meant. Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> that's what I way. meant. So if you go online and you're just busy, you just want to take an action, you scan and you take a decision quickly. And this is the time a designer, a user interface designer, can take advantage of this. So they can make the page look like it's saying something while actually is doing something else. So it distracts you. So it's all these cognitive limitations that being exploited. Dark patterns happen online when we are tricked to do something that we don't want to do or we find it so difficult to do or we are not aware we are doing it. Sort of, that's our litmus this test, is how it isn't works. it, for discovering whether or not we might be looking at a dark pattern of design. And isn't it like interesting? It's always human psychology, persuasive technology in targeted ads, addictive social media, and dark patterns too. So, all right, let's get out of the conceptual. Let's, let's go down into some real life examples. We've prepared some. Let's think of a few here. So imagine finding out that you're at Woolies and after you've sort of left, 
you look inside your bag and you realize you've been charged for extra groceries on your way through the checkout. Groceries that you, you didn't expect to buy, but you've paid for now. Yeah, so you so re- our listeners in the US don't understand Woolies. Oh, Woolies, it's like yes. Walmart. There. Walmart, yes. So imagine <laughs> you're at the at the shopping mall and you're charged for extra groceries. Woolies is our colloquial term for Woolworths. Uh, we like to shorten and abbreviate things here in Australia. Everything. Um, all that time that we spend shortening our words, all that time that we save shortening our words, we spend at the beach. So there you go. That's how we do that. <laughs> so we're at Woolies. <laughs> so we're at Woolies. We've, we've just picked up some groceries that we didn't expect to buy. We go back and the cashier explains, well, look, we saw that you bought the pancake mix. So we just added the maple syrup and butter for you since they all go together anyway. So that would be rather odd, wouldn't it? But it happens to us online. Now, imagine a security guard, perhaps. Think of a concert. And before you're allowed into the concert, the security guard says, look, I'm going to scan your face. Um, But look, we only use it that this face scan is for their app and it will help you and your friends find each other in the crowd. That's actually a cool idea for an app. It is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) They haven't lied, but what the guard cleverly admitted is Mm. they will also monitor your facial expressions and identify when you are most susceptible to buying something while you're in the concert, like a beer or hot dog or whatever. So that data can also be shared with maybe the event security or law enforcement to arrest troublemakers. But the security guard example is important because it demonstrates another trick in the dark patterns playbook. By selectively disclosing what they will do with your facial scan and giving you only part of the story to get you to give your consent, they've managed to funnel you into a choice you didn't really make. Amazing. As outrageous as these real world examples might sound to you, it's just a comparison with similar things that happen in the digital world. Yeah. So if we, I I just love the Woolies example, e-commerce website would sneak in a products there, uh, you buy an iPad and they sneak in a case for you, or they sneak in these premium services that you, do, you they opt you in that and or, ser- or all these taxes and surcharge and services that only shows when you are checking out. So that's a very close thing to Willis adding things in your shopping cart. In the case of the security guard, it's good that it's, thank you, Reinhardt, it was very clear comparing it to the real world. This has actually happened today. If you are a Facebook user, Facebook opts you in by default in facial recognition, one of your biometric data. Once that's uh, disclosed or stolen, your facial uh, print, you can't change that. Mm. It's very, very sensitive personal data that Facebook is opting us in by default. You can't change your face like changing a password if it's uh, if someone gets a hold of it, for example. Correct. And Facebook makes it very difficult for people to opt out. So even if you navigate through their privacy settings and find that you want to turn off the facial recognition feature on Facebook, they make sure they use language, selective language like the security guard, that discourage people from choosing privacy-friendly settings. When you try to opt out the message that Facebook shows you, we use Facebook facial recognition technology for purposes, quote, such as help protect you from strangers using your photo. Another reason they list on their privacy settings is that 
we tell people with visual impairments who is in a photo or video. So they make you feel guilty, like it's for your yes. security and for the visually impaired people. But manipulative. It is manipulative and selective because they don't tell you again what other purposes they selectively chose the things yes. that will make you opt in or feel guilty to opt out. When you still, when you try again, click through that, go to the next page, this is the message they show you. If you keep face recognition turned off, we won't be able to use this technology if a stranger uses your photo to impersonate you. If someone uses a screen reader, they won't be told when you are on a photo unless you are tagged. So they, they give you all these reasons why you should not turn it off. This is a dark pattern. What Facebook should have told the user that this facial recognition will help us in targeted advertising because we understand your emotional status. And sometimes you could be identified in times where you just want to be remain anonymous. Yeah. You know, it, it'd be an interesting exchange if it happened in real life, wouldn't it? If someone came up to you and, and demanded your photo and then insisted, well, I can't help protect you from someone else stealing your photo unless you give me a photo of your face. A that, print, it, your facial yeah, print. Yeah, if that happened in, re in the real world, we'd instantly see it for the scam it was and we'd certainly be on our, we'd certainly be suspicious at, at, at minimum, right? Yeah, and Facebook use always this manipulative language like you are in control no we're not you no, are in control in every, anything but <laughs> this, this is this is this is dark patterns of design at its best or would that be worst not sure but one of the two yeah they are pioneers facebook now that's not all we've got uh almost a, a laundry list of these <laughs> And Manal and I believe that the best way to defeat these con artists is by exposing their tricks to the public. We're, we want to pull back the curtain on the wizard here. Mm. Yes. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. <laughs> there are over 20 common types of dark patterns out there and 11 of them were named by our mate Brignall and published on his page, darkpatterns.org. We highly recommend you check that page out. It's brilliant. So like pulling back the curtain on The Wizard of Oz, we will expose some of technology's most evil tricks. <laughs> Woohoo! What's the first one like you really like to choose out of the many flavors of dark so, patterns? Yes, let me tell you. There's the bait and switch. This sounds like a classic. It happens when someone acts in a way that thinks it'll lead them to one thing but instead leads them to do something else and the great example of this is the windows 10 upgrade it's it's devilish <laughs> we usually associate that x button at the top right hand corner for closing a window yeah so when windows pushed out windows 10 the upgrade notification people were presented with a pop-up that had the x on the top right hand corner and most people pressed it believing that was their way of not upgrading to Windows 10. But guess what that X button actually did? It started the Windows 10 upgrade. Um, it happened so that's exactly me. what Mike yeah. wanted them to do. And that's, uh, that was at the, to the benefit of Microsoft at our expense. Next is my favorite, the one I chose, which is 
privacy zuckering. Ooh, you have, yes, sounds you, dirty. You guessed it. <laughs> you guessed it. It's, fa- it's named by Brignall after Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook. And this one is actually, as we mentioned, Facebook are pioneers when it comes to zuckering our privacy. Yeah, they're at, the, they're at the head of the charge, aren't they? <laughs> and privacy sucker, zuckering, it really tricks people in sharing more information about them. Sometimes they don't know they're sharing this much information about them. And sometimes they're tricked into believing they are in control. Researchers found Facebook default privacy setting. It includes misleading wording. And it gives that illusion of control. And they deliberately make it hard for us to choose privacy-friendly settings. Like if you try to even navigate through that complicated page of privacy settings, it will take you... Labyrinth. The la- yes. The, what, say the word. I love this word. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Thank you. I learned a new word today. The labyrinth of Facebook. It takes, average, on average, four clicks to wow. have more privacy-friendly option on Facebook. They made it very difficult. And they always try to convince you and list all the reasons why you should share your information. Privacy policies is actually one of the dark patterns of technology or of design. Because privacy policies are designed this way to make it so intimidating for us to read, understand, and take informed decisions. New York Times in 2019, they went online and they analyzed 150 privacy policies of popular websites, including Facebook, Airbnb, LinkedIn. It found that most take an average 18 minutes to read. Like Facebook privacy policy is 4,000 words. And the vast majority require university-level reading comprehension. Someone like me, English is my second language. You can imagine how difficult it is to understand it. And most of them the language they use in these privacy policies are more complicated than Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. I put it down after a week. I couldn't read that book. That is <laughs> privacy zuckering. What wow. is the, the, the one that you chose? I love the one you chose. Oh, the, yes. Well, <laughs> the name is funny. It is. Yes. Look, it reminds me of some of the worst uh, holidays I've ever taken, but it's called The Roach Motel. And it's a type a of dark pattern. Choices. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. It, I don't know if anybody's been in one of those places where, you know, once you're there, you're trapped. And that's what the Roach <laughs> Motel is all about. This dark pattern is about making it very, very easy for us to be funneled down a certain path and trapped into a certain situation. And then it's just extremely difficult to leave. A great example are newsletters. If you've bought something online or even just sometimes looking at a website now means you're instantly presented with a sign-up form and bang, you've signed up by default, opted you in to a newsletter, another one to join the hundreds in your mailbox that you already don't read. So when you get scammed like this and you try to unsubscribe, it's, it's nigh impossible. It's difficult to find that tiny hidden unsubscribe button at the bottom. And I guarantee you that even if you probably did find it, I, I suspect you, the very next day you're still going to get an email from that same organization. And uh, if you've ever been asked to put in a capture phrase to unsubscribe from something, then this is a, a sure <laughs> sign you're looking at a roach motel. <laughs> but you know that 
Roche will tell, even when you try to delete your accounts, you can't even find, like Amazon is a good example, it's impossible to delete your account on Amazon. And that's a Roche Motel. So it's not only unsubscribing, but not able to uh, remove your account, delete it for good. The the one that we chose to talk, and it wins the award of the most genius evil. The award goes to... (laughs) The disguised ads. And if you've ever scrolling through your newsfeed, and the ads are showing as part of the content and you click on it, now this is called a disguised ad. And sometimes they design their ads with a speck of dust or a strand of hair (laughs) over the top to just make you try to clean your screen and you click on the ad. And it's usually in mobile because it's touch screen. So I know this is just pathetic way. (laughs) That is pathetic. It's absolutely atrocious. A bit like when I'm on that bus ride to work and it's all bumpy and I probably haven't got a seat to sit on and they give you this tiny little annoying X. i got to try and click on with my giant fat-ass thumb and I keep missing it and then I end up on some dodgy subscription instead. Because they make money when you click on the ad. They don't make money when you just yes. see that. Good point. Yes, another. Uh, it's that click-through rate, isn't it? What about you? What's your most annoying dark oh, pattern you've seen? My most annoying? Uh, Brignall named it confirm shaming. It reminds me of my mother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when you, Hi, mom. When you say no to something, but you have to, the passive-aggressive language when you reject doing something. And a good example is when you opt out of Amazon Prime, the message shows you instead of no, I do want to sign up, it says, no, thanks, I don't want unlimited one-day delivery. Ooh, so they're making you feel guilty or, 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 for not accepting. Or if you you see this discount and instead of saying, uh, giving them your name to get a discount, you want to say no, the no button says, no, I don't like saving Confirm shaming. Seriously. Confirm shaming. Oh, wow. So as funny as all that sounds, there are some harms to the dark patterns of design. These harms stem from the fact that dark patterns of design are there to exploit the human mind. They're there to exploit our cognitive weaknesses for the benefit of a business. Yeah, profit over people. Here at Tech for Evil, Manal and I think that dark patterns are ethically problematic. They mislead us into making choices that are not in our interest. And Manal, I guess on some level, they're they're depriving us of our agency, aren't they? Yes, when they use misleading language and manipulative ways that tricks me, it's, it's, it's not only frustrating, but you feel like you are with a dealing like with a used. psychopath that are exactly psychopath yeah. who just there's no feeling no empathy i'm just profit over people dark patterns are the the opposite what we what we'd call the opposite of good user interface design because ui is meant to be about providing really exceptional experiences for us online and in order to get that the design should put our best interest at the center of all of that design and its construction elements Let's think for a moment about the reputational harm for the business. And I I wonder about this sometimes as well. How aware are businesses that when they deploy a dark pattern, 
they're choosing a short-term profit over actually the long-term growth of their business and and, and added value because they've just lost me as a comp- uh, as a customer yeah, and and they've just lost my trust in their brand because they've tried to to manipulate me. Yeah, and my respect. They lost my respect. Wouldn't you agree that a, a more rational win win relationship between a customer and a brand is when the brand provides real value and we get to make as customers informed decisions? Dark patterns can uh, also seriously impact the reputation of that brand. It seriously harms the reputation. They lose respect of the customer yes. and the customer doesn't go back. But yeah. there are more harms, harms done, not only to the business, but for us as consumers or customers. The yeah. financial harm, when I'm deprived, so some of the dark patterns we didn't mention is on the website of darkpatterns.org, are the, they prevent price comparison. So they would hide the free or cheaper options and they would show us show us the options that they want us to pay for. So there is financial harm to us Mm. and our wallets. Other than this, when they sneak in hidden fees or tricking us into buying stuff we didn't want, that is financial harm for us. But the the one that that strike me is the emotional harm. What what about this confirm shaming? Like why I have to confirm? to shame, to put this, the no, when I click on it, I have to confirm I'm shaming myself. You're shaming me, this passive aggressive language. Also the manipulation that causes frustration, irritation. All these are, are, are emotional harm. Some of the dark patterns use like booking.com when you try to book a room. Yes. Use this, this red this urgency. button. Yeah. yeah, last room. And sometimes they say, hey, discount, and they finish in one hour and they give you this counter. Yes, countdown to, to, to losing out on something, fear oh, of missing out again. If I'm having a counter on your head while you're trying to shop for something or book a room, what, what do you feel? Oh, stress, panic, uh, frustration. And, and you just go and like, oh, my God, um, I'm not going to find rooms in the place that I want to travel to. And you panic by. So that is emotional and psychological distress that we don't need. Why deploying dark patterns for us. You spending a week, wasting a week of your life, trying to unsubscribe of all this spam and and, and newsletter that you didn't even subscribe to. That is emotional harm for us and and stressful and time-wasting. Now, here at Tech for Evil, Manal and I believe that you've probably already seen a thousand advertisements today by the time you clicked on this podcast. So we're going to give you Five seconds just to ponder life and uh, think of things to be grateful for. Practice some gratitude. So here's five seconds of silence and peace. Welcome back, everyone. The next thing we'd like to discuss in the category of harms from dark patterns is probably best summed up by an online newspaper called TechCrunch, who said, quote, it takes longer for people to realize their privacy is being sold down the river, if they even realize at all. 
This is why dark pattern design has become such a core enabling tool for the vast non-consumer facing ad tech and data brokering industry that's grown fat by quietly sucking on people's data thanks to the enabling grease of dark pattern design. A lot of the language they use, it explains my feeling. (laughs) My feelings about dark patterns, sucking on people's data. And the quote perfectly illustrates that correlation between our privacy rights, which we've been advocating for here on this podcast, certainly, and the connection that that it draws from these dark patterns of design. Dark patterns essentially are used to force us into the long, confusing, exhausting path when trying to choose privacy-friendly options. It's much harder to get an option that is in alignment with what we think is best Best for our privacy. Yeah, Privacy policies are filled with technical, legal jargon. They want to intimidate us. And uh, do you get that sense that they have this accept it or leave it type quality even if we don't understand what we're being presented yeah. with. My struggle with privacy policies. I can't believe you spend time actually reading them. That is really impressive that you go from start to finish and see them no, all. No, I don't actually. I go to see the part where they say, data we collect about you ah. and who we share it with. So I have to read these two parts and you have no clue how many of them I just declined and I left the whole website or deleted the app when I saw how much data they're collecting about me and the people. They, mm. Hundreds of third parties, they're sharing imagine. it with me. Yeah. So it's it's good just to go to, through these two because most of people don't read it, especially if you do something very, let's say you're applying for a home loan. It's important when you do uh, important life decisions. Yeah. Well, that probably brings us into this topic of the potential um, – the potential to be discriminated against in a negative way. Dark patterns of design can potentially harm this right not to be discriminated against. Think about certain groups that perhaps exposed to online discrimination because of dark patterns, like uh, people who have less digital literacy. I'm talking about the elderly. I'm talking about children, immigrants, non-native speakers. There is a case to be made that these people are found to be most susceptible to online scams by dark patterns. Yeah, and the immigrants, it's not like they could be very tech savvy, the the immigrants, especially in tech. But what happened is when you move to a new country, and I'm an immigrant here in Australia, you do know people to ask them the best legal advisor or the best tax consultant to help you. What you do is just go online and search yeah. for these people. And most of these uh, services, they adver- advertise online. So it's very easy for immigrants to fall victim for these scams. So that's why the discrimination that happens and the harm that happens to people, I would say the vulnerable group or the traditionally vulnerable groups of the society. So Manal, does that mean the most logical question then is why do companies use dark patterns if this is what they're... Uh, if this is what it results in. Why? Why we have this podcast, Tech for Evil. Tech is one of the biggest industries in the world today. And unfortunately, it's the least regulated industry. They make so much profit and there's nothing that stops on their way. They are self-regulated. And that's why dark patterns 
are so like they are so popular and everywhere and they're becoming so hard to spot and and identify we 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 sometimes like to call out what regulators are doing around the world and what they perhaps could do what's your take on what can be done here so regulators can it is difficult even for tech savvy people to spot dark patterns today because they use all type of of tricks on us but regulators can just try to collaborate with technologists and understand what type of ecosystem or uh, business culture that makes such dark pattern happen. Like it doesn't happen in an isolation. It's not the user interface designer or the UX designer comes and decide to use dark pattern to increase profit. That doesn't happen in isolation. That is part of the company culture. So Facebook culture it is about tricking people and manipulating them to take as much personal data from them. So the culture is motivating and animating these dark patterns of designs and these outcomes. Yes, and that should be understood. Like why do they resort to dark patterns? The other thing is just understanding what makes a dark pattern. Until today, there's, there's no definition, there's no clear guidelines that technologists can use to steer away from dark patterns and people like us who go online to understand what is a dark, what dark pattern is. Mm, so like a best practice charter for user interface design or ethical user interface design. Yes, and we keep bringing up the word ethics. Ethics in tech are very yes. important. Uh, also, just having like there are public alerts that governments publish and they alert the public about scammers why don't we have the same alerts that name and shame companies so not only those unknown scammers that call us from uh, all these numbers but also name and shame companies who use dark patterns because this is type of scam Mm. the hall of shame as uh, dr brignall Brignall likes to call it yeah the hall of shame All right, so Manal, the good news for our audience is, as we've discovered in the research for this podcast, is that these things are being slowly addressed. We could look to the US legislation, the stories coming out of there uh, as one example. The FTC, Federal Trade Commission, they're looking into a bill. Actually, I, I love the name of this bill. It's called the Detour Act, which very aptly describes, I think, how we feel when we're on the road that we think we're on, when we're on the internet, only to be led down some dark alleyway and then robbed. So this bill that's being introduced, this Detour Act, Section 3 of the legislation states the following, it shall be unlawful for any large online operator to design, modify, or manipulate a user interface with the purpose of substantial effect of obscuring, subverting, or impairing user autonomy, decision-making, or choice to obtain consent or user data, end quote. That's really powerful. Perfect. You know the Congress didn't vote in this last year? Hopefully this year they will vote in this act. Yes, let's hope so. The other development out of the Federal Trade Commission, again, is that they filed a complaint, and this time it was against an education company called Age of Learning, and they were reportedly making it very difficult for tens of thousands of their students uh, to cancel a recurring subscription fee, despite 
initially saying, yes, it's easy and so on. It's a bit like when you get that gym membership that never dies. It just keeps coming back and keeps charging your credit card. And that's Roach Motel. That's that's a great Roach Motel right there. Yes. Now, at a state level, uh, we can tell our listeners that in March of this year, California announced that it is banning the use of dark patterns that stop users from opting out of the sale of their personal data. So that's really, really strong. That's, that's, that's a very strong. strong. I wish statement. we have this here in yes, Australia. God bless and California. I love California because California Consumer Privacy Act is as powerful as the EU's General Data Protection uh, Regulation, and which is very strong. It's, it's the most, it's the strongest in the US and the most effective. Uh, it's just a problem with these acts, as I mentioned. It's very difficult to have a definition of a dark pattern. Yes. They tried to put some uh, – so in, in this particular case, uh, the regulation used language that I thought was was starting to, to try and draw a boundary around dark patterns. It's, I thought it was good because it is hard to define, as Manal said. It says here that the regulations banned the use of confusing language or unnecessary steps such as forcing them to click through multiple screens or listen to reasons why they shouldn't opt out. <laughs> this is Facebook. They mean yeah, Facebook. They mean Facebook there, don't they? It's another word for Facebook, that entire sentence. Zuckering. Now, it doesn't ban all of the dark patterns, right? But it, it, it is a step forward. Yeah, G- the GDPR, unfortunately, it doesn't, as, as we mentioned, it is there. And it's a very strong and powerful privacy, digital privacy regulation that I hope we really hope it becomes universal. And we hope here in Australia, people who use, who go online are also protected by similar privacy regulations. Now it's time for your crash course in digital self-defense. We We fight alone or all together. To wrap up today's episode, you can improve your radar for detecting dark patterns by asking yourself three questions when in doubt as you browse online. The first question is, does the confusing thing I'm looking at right now appear like it's intentionally designed? The second question you can ask yourself is, does this design primarily benefit the company at my expense? And the third is, is the website or app trying to nudge me into a choice I wouldn't normally make? These are all great litmus tests for dark patterns of design. And and our honorary evil spotter of today's episode, Harry Brignall. We salute you, sir. Thank you for dedicating a whole website for darkpatterns.org. And if you spot a dark pattern, you can take a screenshot and share it, mention their uh, Twitter account, Dark Pattern, and under the hashtag Dark Pattern, post it there. He has a hall of shame on his website. (laughs) It's a community-driven where they put all these screenshots there to educate people because he he believes that the only way to combat dark patterns is, is by spreading awareness and naming and shaming. And there are companies who apologize after they were published in his Hall of Shame. Oh, wow. Once they yes. were publicly shamed, they yes, apologized. I didn't apologized. know that. 
digital marketing to people should create a positive experience. So when we force people or trick them into signing up for our marketing emails, that will only create the opposite uh, impression on our brand. And that's something we don't want. So digital marketers also should learn the rules of the spam regulations in the region of the world. In Australia, we have the Spam Act. So you can just spam people and and opt them in uh, all kind of newsletters and marketing emails. There are rules that digital marketers need to understand and need to adhere to. Things like when you send, you have to get the explicit consent from people before you sign them up for digital marketing emails. Uh, you have to identify yourself if you are a digital marketer and make sh- and making sure that the unsubscribe button is very clear in the emails that you send. And in Australia, there are hefty penalties for digital marketers or companies who spam people, like even if you unsubscribe and they still send you emails. I have a friend in her company, two people complained that they unsubscribe, but they still receive the emails. They were fined $20,000. So it is serious, and people usually don't know that there are spam regulations in their countries that they can use to protect themselves from such um, unwanted emails. You know, um, a great self-defense tool is uh, an alternative. We don't have to put up with it. Personally, websites that use dark patterns against me just turn me off. But we are lucky that we have plenty of alternatives online and they respect us, they respect our choices, our autonomy, and they don't resort to cheap manipulation and exploitation tactics. But what we, what we truly want is for policy makers to step in and outlaw these techniques and to protect the online community, keep the internet a wonderful, inspired place for everyone. Please follow our podcast and don't forget to share this episode with your family, schoolmates, work colleagues and everyone who uses the internet. For sources used for this episode and to read more, please visit our blog at techforevil.com. That's tech4evil.com. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Please send them to contact at techforevil.com. Thank you, everyone, and see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Salam. Salam.